Welcome to the Rim 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 Pro Report, the one and only weekly broadcast for the Rim Support Services industry. Bustling with news, views, here's what I believe, and the latest updates. That's just them. The show is full of interesting information, stories, yes, important product and service reviews, yes, and a cast of industry characters included. Yes. <laughs> Record center operators, shred and destruction vendors, media and electronic vaulters, scanners and imaging providers. Take note, this show is for you. Now here's your host, Tom Adams. Welcome back. This is show number six of the Rim Pro Report, and I am glad that you're here listening. Uh, the uh, inaugural episode, show number five, last week uh, is blowing me away in terms of the number of people listening. We uh, we are, as always, we do fairly sophisticated analytics on everything we do, and uh, I am excited to say a whole bunch of people are listening, and so thank you for tuning in to this brand new show about the uh, RIM services industry. Today on the show, we're going to be talking with uh, founder and president of EMR in the Cloud, Larry Giuliano. He's got a interesting new service product for the RIM industry uh, reseller opportunity that he wanted to share with me and I wanted to share that with you. We're going to look at some industry news and updates and then we're going to spend some time today with Kerry McGovern, the file man, and explore with him his perspective on the entire RIM services space in 2010 and beyond. Kerry is uh, someone that I have grown to respect as someone who continually is studying what's going on out there and has been in this industry and off a long time, and I am looking forward to hear what he has to say about where this industry is going. The show today is sponsored by uh, none other than Flourish Press. Flourish Press is my company, and uh, well, it's sponsored by us today. So if you want to be a sponsor on the program, please contact me via the show hotline or through the contact form on the RimProReport.com website. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Hey, thanks uh, to my friends who are butting in every so often on the show. Uh, just to remind you, if, if you like the show, let other people know. We have not uh, really done a uh, big push on this. We want it to grow organically. But if you're enjoying what this show has to offer, please let other people know. Let them know that they can uh, just come to the RimProReport.com site and listen to these interviews. I think the interviews we're doing are incredibly cool and can help and assist the nice part about it is you can follow the show uh, without a whole lot of effort. If you just want to come on your own convenience, just come to RimProReport.com and just listen to the show on the uh, the webpage. You can do that. If you want to, you can actually download every episode, uh, right-click on your computer, download it to computer, and then shove it onto your MP3 player, any kind of MP3 player. It's a standard MP3. It'll play on any device, and you can listen to it when you're out exercising, when you're driving in your car, when you're sitting waiting for uh, a potential client at their offices and they're late. Uh, you can, if you're in the uh, Apple aficionado group, you can actually, uh, through iTunes, subscribe to the show uh, through their podcast mechanism, and there's a link on the website to do that, and you can actually get the new shows downloaded to your iPod, iTouch, iPhone, iPad, i whatever. Uh, when it becomes available. So that's, a, I think, a great opportunity for you. 
finally, if you want, just subscribe to our email service and we'll uh, send you an email every time a new show comes on board. And that way, you know when it happens and you don't ever have to think about it. We'll just let you know. But uh, without further ado, let's get on to the show. There's lots of good stuff to talk about today. Well, as I mentioned earlier, we're about to go to uh, Larry Giuliano. Larry, you there? Yes, I am. Hey, Tom, welcome. How are you? I'm good. Welcome to the Rim Pro Report. Glad you're uh, taking the time to spend a few minutes with us today. Larry is chief executive officer and founder of EMR in the cloud, the cloud, the cloud. That uh, cloud term keeps showing up here and there and everywhere. And in San Diego right now, by the way, it's only cloud. And I know people who are in 112 degree temperature like you are not, you know, are not particularly feeling sorry for me today, but it's been cloudy here. I don't know if that relates to EMR in the cloud, but anyways, Larry, welcome. Well, thanks. I appreciate it, Tom. I appreciate you thinking of me and uh, chatting a little bit with me about what I do. Uh, I am very passionate about what I do, and I love clouds. And right now we have clouds here in St. Louis, and it's going to rain soon. All right. So I'm right there with you. All right. Well, let, let's, let's talk about this EMR in the cloud uh, company that you're building and have built. And I know you... Uh, you were at Prism uh, in May and had a, a booth, and we're trying to talk to people about what it is you do. So I wanted another shot to hear what you're doing, understand it a little more clearly, and uh, maybe that will uh, you know, help other people who are trying to figure out what this EMR in the cloud is all about. So start, start me at the beginning. What's, what's EMR in the cloud, and what are you trying to accomplish in the world? Well, EMR in the cloud is a consulting group geared mostly toward medical or strictly toward medical in offerings that are related to cloud computing and things that can spin off of that, such as uh, PCs that are based on electronic medical records, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. I went to, and my partner James and I went to Reno with good intentions of getting our story out and getting some reaction from the prison body who in some cases I've, I've been friends with 10, 12, 15 years. Right. And we were just amazed uh, before we even said anything in most cases when people came up to us, they were already educated on the cloud and how our service, so to speak, or electronic medical record solution can help them go back to their medical clients. So uh, for, those, for those who might be listening who might not get it as much, give me a brief explanation of it. Just Okay. Okay, one of the age-old uh, worries in the records management industry is how am I going to get more boxes? How am I going to keep generating revenue by storing paper documents? We all know that the healthcare industry is pushing forward in the electronic medical records world or electronic health records or electronic medical records. All of those terms are used interchangeably. Okay. But eventually the paper documents are going to start to shrink and it's up to the record center or the business owner to introduce more value-add services to their medical client base. And in just talking with some of the folks, and these people I've known for quite a while, they're aware of this, and they know they have to be proactive in offering additional value-add to the medical clients. They're already scanning, they're already storing, and they're already retrieving charts on usually a daily basis so here's an opportunity to offer a service or product, in this case a cloud computing solution, 
to accommodate those needs that the medical facilities have to look forward to. And and there is there is actual federal incentive to do this, is there not? Oh yeah, the High Tech Act or uh, uh, the AIR Act, uh, the uh, Health Information Technology of Economic and Clinical High Tech Act. Yeah issued in 2009 is encouraging medical facilities that offer Medicare and Medicaid uh, services to their patients an incentive to go ahead and be proactive to install these electronic medical records and kind of jump on the bad wagon at this point as early adopters right. and claim some of the stimulus money. And in most cases, it's 44000 to $63,000. Wow which is a huge savings, and with a cloud solution, the upfront costs are minimal, and the buy-in, so to speak, to the practice as a value-add partner just strengthens the relationship these record centers already have with these clients. Right. So it's a win-win around the circle for the client, for the, the record storage company. Uh, if you look back five years ago, when document imaging was the keyword and Almost every record center now is offering imaging services. So it's going to inspire growth in their service bureau work. It's going to inspire work, uh, additional work for their shredding revenue. And ultimately, it's going to create a database for these clients to rely on without any support from the record center in addition to what they're currently doing servicing their clients. Hmm. And, and I it's, hope that made sense. It's kind of a long-winded way. Yeah, well, I, I guess I guess the the point, uh, as I understand it, is you you become the the EMR in the cloud is the the company that's doing a lot of the work. Uh, you're just using uh, record centers, shred vendors, someone in the imaging community, whatever RIM service providers out there. Uh, they're they're out talking to their clients, the medical community, and is this is this more suited to small comp- small medical uh, groups? It's, it's geared mostly to the uh, small to medium practices, anywhere from one to ten to fifteen doctors. Okay, but they're not limited. Uh, most of the large hospitals are investing hundreds and hundreds of thousand dollars on putting systems in, and these smaller medical facilities with the hospital association are waiting to see what the hospitals are doing, and then probably in a lot of cases spending way too much money up front to get involved with a system that's kind of an overkill for a small practice. So here as a service provider, the record center is educating these folks that their their relationship can be several years, and they might not have had any relationship or any conversation for several years because they're only storing uh, pretty much inactive records. Right. So the retrieval rates are down, and some or some are not scanning day forward for imaging systems and using more of an ECM type of solution for medical right. that's not specifically geared for that market. Okay. So here's a perfect tie-in and a day forward as becoming a true value add to your current clients that are medical and also solicit new clients that you may not have been able to go after for storage or shredding or service bureau work. So it's kind of like the tie-in solution to go forward with your medical clients. Wow. And most record centers, as you know now, historically store between 30 and 60% of health care. Right. And it's a more of a value-add in the, in the uh, record centers, or more in a rural environment where these small medical groups don't have large hospitals in their geographic location to rely on education. 
So there's a lot of opportunity, and actually two weeks ago, the meaningful use requirement has been documented and is out in public. And now doctors are looking more to say, okay, I can make a decision by 2011 and institute this system, pocket some of the money that I'm going to be receiving back to be rewarded, and having a system that's pretty much integratable with any of the larger systems out there as we know them. Hmm. So, so this this is something that uh, you're you have actively uh, engaged uh, in terms of directly with the medical community, and now you're trying to then engage it or allow provide it as a value added service or uh, an additional revenue item for for other companies in the rim service space. Exactly, and if I look back, you know, I've had a career at a couple of record centers under my belt. And if the availability of this type of product or service were available to me at that time, I would probably be called what they call an early innovator or an early adopter of the solution, kind of setting my record center ahead of my competition. Because down the road, this solution will have to be a requirement when they look for a records management company to manage the whole cycle of their records, that being the electronic world that we know or are starting to know of more and more each day. Right, right. So it truly is a win-win, uh, and it adds the value add as a as a records management provider to your medical community. Okay, so one of, one of the uh, I, I guess one of the things that's interesting to me and would be interesting to people who might be listening is what's in it for them. So the the first thing I see is what's in it for them is they have they have more value added service to bring their medical clients. Um, is this is there big investment to get into this, or is it small investment? What how do, how does that all work? It's a minimal investment, and I'd be glad to go into it as as inquiries come in. Um, up front, there's a reseller that we have several packages available to set uh, several levels of resellership or okay. bar value added reseller. Right. And I search long and hard for a solution to come as a distributor and provide this service. Me knowing the records management industry right. for the past 15 years, it was, it was a, a natural fit for me. And we're very unique in that we, we pay back to our resellers a 36-month income on any business generated through, the, through their medical clients or future clients, which is very strong at this point in the industry as of our, right. with minimal upfront cost and a three-year value-add where your doctors or your your practices are not committed to a long-term contract. The doctor pays on a subscription basis based on the services they're using out of the system. Okay. And I, I can get more. No, I, I don't need the exact details. I guess I was just, that's exactly what I was wondering because, you know, they're, they're, every situation creates different details. I understand that. But I, I just want to make sure uh, anyone listening would understand the implications. So it's a typically a small upfront uh, reseller a commitment to get in and then pay back on new clients is over a 36-month term, it sounds like. Exactly. Okay. And for that reseller fee, uh, all the sales materials, all the PowerPoints, all of the demonstrations are put on by the, the company Unified Med, which is the actual medical electronic medical record solution. Okay. So all the tools are there. There's no added uh, upfront cost for the record center as far as uh, hardware any support issues, all of the support is done through the provider Unify Med. Cool. So, again, it's, it's pretty much a win-win for everybody involved. And ultimately, to get this 
high-tech um, agenda push forward and get everybody on the same page in regard to medical records or healthcare records. That's great. Well, well that, that, no, that's <laughs> that's been very helpful because I, I think sometimes there there's opportunities out there that uh, you know that some people might connect with and others might not, and potentially by hearing this show today, uh, it'll make more sense to them. So. Um, and again, we were very pleased with the response that we got. That uh, to, to say it any other way, people got it. Yeah, and well, that's it fabulous. It didn't take much explaining, and we've been successful in demonstrating the product further. We had a demo out there in Reno that had some attendees, but we've been demoing the product to record centers and just have gotten a really good feedback and uh, are moving moving forward at this point with many of them. So people can get a hold of you, Larry, at the uh, EMR in the cloud offices in St. Louis. Uh, I will post the uh, telephone number in the website. The website is emritc.com, emritc.com. I'll post the phone number on the, uh, on the RIMPRO Report website. And, hey, I really appreciate you sharing what you're doing. Uh, continued success in this new venture of yours. I think it's really cool. And uh, we will catch up uh, down the road and see how it's going, all right? Thank you, Tom. I appreciate the opportunity, and um, I will talk to you soon since you are my friend. (laughs) All right. Have a great day. Cheers. And now here's the RIMPRO Report news. Lots going on this week. PRISM and NADE have opened registration to the joint 2010 European Conference being held in Athens, Greece, September 27th to 29th. You can visit either the PRISM or NADE websites to learn more about that. Bare Metal Data is holding their conference September 9th to 10th in Baltimore. If you're in the media vault industry, this is a great opportunity to learn and network. Uh, In fact, I'm pretty excited because two weeks uh, from now, we'll be doing an interview with the keynote speaker for the Bare Metal event, Jack Weil. So be sure to listen. He is incredibly cool. This this guy is a security uh, expert. He's taught and trained FBI, police. This guy gets security like nobody I've ever spoken with before. Very interesting. And uh, I'm, I've am i actually arranged to have him on the show in a couple of weeks, so keep coming back here. But very cool. He's doing uh, two sessions at Bare Metal uh, this year in Baltimore, September 9th and 10th. And you can go to the Bare Metal site for that information. Uh, Nade has just announced the study materials and information regarding training opportunities for its new professional accreditation program, the Certified Secure Destruction Specialist, CSDS. And you can get that at nadeonline.org. Uh, PRISM's also d- doing registration now for the 2010 Data Protection Workshop. Uh, and that's going to be held in uh, Winston, Winston-Salem, October 19th and 20th. Part of the uh, part of that event is going to be uh, an opportunity to tour uh, data chambers, and uh, that's a pretty cool operation. So uh, that is uh, an opportunity for anyone uh, in the media industry or wanting to get in it. SSI Shredding Systems out of uh, Oregon has formed a new division. Uh, It's a shredder service company, SSC Shredder Service Company. And this is a new division that will actually focus on providing spare parts on-site or remote service for all the different types of shredders that are out there, any maker models. This is cool. I I think this is a pretty cool thing that SSI is doing, and um, way to go. Uh, I think there's always opportunity for... 
companies like this to step up and provide interesting and innovative services to the industry, and sounds like SSI is doing that. So that's it officially for the news, and uh, I'm just wanting you to know that if you've got news you want to share with us, please let me know. Uh, there's phone numbers on the site. You can email me. Uh, at Tom at Flourish Press, you can let me know that you've got interesting stuff going on in uh, your business, in your vendor product service category. I'm always interested in what's going on so that I can share it with, uh, with our listeners on the show. So uh, that's it for the news. I am uh, excited to have Carrie McGovern with us today. Carrie is known as the file man. Uh, he is a longtime leader in the records and information management training uh, area, has been a consultant during his years. He's assisted in the development of hundreds, literally hundreds of record centers. He's trained thousands of people, as far as I know, in, um, in how to sell more effectively, how to be more effective. But uh, Carrie, to me, is one of the uh, you know one of the astute minds in the industry. He's been doing this so long and understands the needs and implications of of this business probably more than anyone I know. And so, uh, just recently on his blog, he wrote uh, an interesting piece, and I, I know he's kind of preparing an article about it. But I wanted to talk to him about his perspective on that. So, uh, Carrie, are you on the line? I am, Tom. Thanks for. Oh, well, great to have you here. I, I know that um, you you are not one to shy away from opinions. And so today it was all about, uh, I wanted to, you know, I, I know you're, you're constantly sort of thinking about what's happening in the industry and working your way through that. So I, I wanted to kind of get your feel on that and um, talk to you about it. So bottom line, is the commercial record center industry going to continue to thrive? Well, uh, I think so. Um, of course, you know, fortune telling is not my main suit, but what I do uh, pretty much every day is an hour or so of research, and I look at uh, both traditional and non-traditional commercial record center information as well as uh, information about ancillary services and everything from enterprise document management to uh, storage in the cloud and that kind of thing. Um, I, I think that commercial records management as we knew it in the 80s and 90s uh, is gone forever. Hmm. Hmm. It was uh, primarily thought of as a storage business. Right. Uh, and the services were wrapped around storage, meaning retrieval, refile, pickup, delivery, destruction, and uh, indexing. <clears throat> Today, it's no longer, although we do storage, and we do storage in virtually every type of method you can imagine, right. it's more about um, uh, compliance to law and uh, the capability of finding documents when you need it. And as a couple of my clients told me yesterday, they're having a pretty heavy load of destruction this year and last year. Those uh, destruction issues were uh, uh, are adding to their revenue this year, but next year, of course, their uh, their storage revenue will be down. Absolutely. So, yeah. um, you know, this, uh, the, the, I I think that the destruction issue is a short-term issue, 
because people are saying, uh, how do I cut costs right now? And they're trying to get to a point where they know what they need to keep. Well, that's not easy, as you probably are well aware. Knowing what to keep is the secret. Yeah. But also then actually take an action on it. So there's two things. One is the traditional record center that stores and delivers by courier van is going to morph into a, quite a different uh, model. Um, and, and secondly, the idea of, uh, of commercial record centers offering high-end technology services is already here. But as we go down the road and see what people really need, I think it'll change the industry totally. So, you know, 20 years from now, if you look at a commercial record center, it may not look the same. But it, it likely will still have boxes in it. Well, I think there's no question it'll still have boxes in it. Uh, as a matter of fact, it may have more boxes than they do now. As, as you probably are aware, uh, it, the creep factor, and creep being the uh, growth The scary of people in this industry. <laughs> I'm sorry? The scary people in this industry. <laughs> I don't well, know what you meant I know there, a Karen. few of those, <laughs> but what I mean here is that it's the growth net of destruction from existing accounts. Right. Uh, that still continues to grow, even with the destruction. It'll be interesting to see what happens after this year. I think creep will go down, but it's been in the 10 to 13% range. And when you sign a new account, it could be 25% because right. the boxes come out of the woodwork. You know? Yeah. But... Um, uh, the, you know, it, the, the boxes will remain there because, first of all, uh, the, there will be the legacy boxes that people want to keep for long periods of time. Even medical records that may need to be kept as long as 25 years. Right. And it just doesn't make sense to image them. They just keep them in storage. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of business systems that have to be changed before everything becomes digital. So you look at what an, a particular company has as their primary uh, business record, like a law firm with, with uh, client files or a mortgage company with mortgage files or a hospital with patient files. Those are the first to fall. Right. But then the others, uh, it, with the exception of accounts payable, um, the, those have been workflow imaging uh, solutions for a long time. But, you know, uh, it's just it's an awful lot of things to convert to digital. And by the way, I mean, if you look at digital solutions, every one of these software and hardware manufacturers is talking about solutions. But most of them don't know what the problem is. <laughs> and, you know, for us in our industry, if we're selling solutions, you know, that may not be what the customer wants. We have to find out what they need. And what they need may not be what you think they need. Right. But even if they need something that you don't provide, you may want to either think about providing that service or partner with someone that does. So, you know, I mean... I think uh, that the companies who are buying companies right now, yeah. uh, those companies understand that there's long-term annuity value in the boxes. Right. They also know that this relationship needs to be built up 
so that they can uh, sell them the additional services that they have. Now, as they sell them the traditional five services in our industry, which are, you know, hard copy record storage, imaging solutions, um, uh, document destruction, data media vaulting, and special product uh, projects. As as they sell them those, they're growing their service base to include things that weren't included before. Right. So, sort of peripheral to each of those is is another whole whole um, circle of services that can be offered. That's right, and we don't even know what they are. Right. You know, uh, right now there are easily a hundred services that could be considered commercial records management services. Right. Uh, most record centers offer, you know, the basic seven services plus another 10 to 15, but the more aggressive ones are offering 40, 50 different service types. Yeah. And whether or not they have the resources in-house or through some sort of partnering relationship, and you can see that's the strategy of Iron Mountain as well. I mean... It's all on their website if you keep up with what they're saying. They're buying companies that are adjacent to what they do right. or in, somehow intertwined like the purchase of AccuTrack a year or two ago uh, for fileware management, which is a primary feeder of off-site storage. Absolutely. You know, so uh, you know, they have a very uh, intelligent uh, approach that they – they use the, the annuity revenue to grow their business, but they're hedging for the future as well. So, yeah. so okay, so you, you've given us a sense of where you think the industry's going. Um, you, you're involved in a lot of startups. Uh, you work with a lot of startups coming from various and sundry places. Uh, you do a lot of work in self-storage, but a lot of people come to you from, uh, you know, investment people who come to you trying to get a, a, a bead on what's happening how is the whole startup industry or part of the industry changing? Who's coming into the industry? What are you seeing in terms of of the new growth? Because the new growth seems to continue to happen. It's not going away. Yeah. Uh, uh, as far as I can count, last year, uh, 2009, there were more than 100 new startups. There were probably more than that, but that's what I know of. Right. Uh, and uh, startups, of course, have the option of using a consultant like myself or Jim Spinney or someone like that, or they also uh, can do it on their own. Now, uh, the startup model uh, 20 years ago was a guy with a good idea who got somebody with a, a warehouse and some capital and, you know, just uh, plugged right into the business and... Right. Uh, it just started all by himself, and they grew the business to two or three or four people, and then eventually, if they had enough capital to, you know, 30 or 40 people, and then they either kept it and kept going, or they sold it to one of the, and there's been hundreds of sales, as you know, not only to Iron Mountain, but to many of these other companies, and, um, but they, uh, a lot of these people, went into the business not understanding the capital requirements of it and got stuck when they got to a certain spot and they needed another building and racks right. and that kind of thing. Right. So they were hampered in their growth. And what I found uh, very interesting is that uh, 
being invited to speak at the self-storage industries, there's a horse of a different color in self-storage. These are real estate developers who are building an office park, uh, warehouses, or self-storage facilities, things like that, that are usually five to $15 million investments. And the real estate developers go out and get uh, capital from individual, uh, I always say a doctor, a lawyer, and an Indian chief. And, you know, it used to be a joke about the Indian chief, but they now own casinos. I actually have two Indian chiefs as customers. Hmm. <laughs> so, you know, each one of them puts up a million or more, and they buy a piece of property. They build the facilities, whether they be self-storage or warehouses, and uh, then they convert it to a 30-year real estate loan uh, with a payout, personal payout, back to the investors in about seven years, and they can either exit by selling the business or by uh, keeping it and just uh, continuing to make money. And self-storage industry, even though uh, it's had a downturn this year because of the, uh, in, because of, uh, the economy, uh, is still a very lively business, particularly if you offer a lot of services there. Right. Well, if you go to a self-storage conference, you run into uh, a group of these uh, people, the developer and his investors, and they hear about records management, and they say, well, let's do one of those. Now, they don't know anything about records management, right. Right. but they, when you start talking to them about the real estate, and that they just need a building that's, you know, perhaps 20 or 30 feet tall at 10,000, 20,000 square feet. Hell, they can just uh, include it in the property uh, that they're buying and finance it over the long term with, uh, you know, the 30-year real estate loan. Many cases throw in the consulting fee into that uh, overall cost at the initial, throw in the initial racks into it. So they wound up wind up with a a, um, a long term thirty year loan that's you know created a record center right and they're smart enough to know that they need a good general manager and a good salesman to go out and do it okay so the the model of the people who are going into the business today are more like that in the u s and canada uh in europe and uh europe has fewer startups, but Asia has uh, just tons of them. Yeah, they're, they're growing like crazy over there. Yeah, uh, India and China particularly. Yeah. And as you probably know, O'Neill is, is writing their, uh, converting their, their textual part of the software into um, one of the Chinese dialects, whichever one is the most important. And uh, India, of course, uh, is basically English-speaking from a uh, from a business point of view, and uh, th that's where the the new growth is. Mm -hmm. Right now, I have proposals in North America, South America, Central America, Asia, uh, 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 Europe, and Africa. I have proposals to companies for startups in all of those wow. uh, and, and and one in uh in the caribbean but so <laughs> so it, it it really continues to grow um and that that's but you're i guess what you're saying is it, it's not sort of that that traditional organic startup where oh i've got extra space here i'm going to start putting boxes in it it's now people coming in prepared 
for the long haul, the, the, the capital the, investment over the long haul. That's correct. And the two companies that I'll, I'll just, I won't tell you who they are or where they are, but that I'm working with right now, one of them is a major logistics company in Europe that has 120 locations wow. throughout Africa, uh, Asia, um, Australia, and Eastern Europe, as well as in a few in, uh, in uh, Western Europe. They have the uh, capital, they have the management team, and they have the logistics uh, experience to create a model uh, that will be, uh, um, within a year or two, a major player in that part of the world. Yeah. I also have a client, uh, I, I can't really say where it is because it would give it away a, a little bit, but that uh, wants to be the biggest and the best in a market that is a very unusual market with about 5 million people. Hmm. And they already have offices in the major cities of this geographic area, which uh, astounds me. And uh, they already have a management team in place. They already have the capability to raise as much capital as they want. Uh, that, that's what I see. Yeah. And uh, more than 50%, maybe 60% of the startups are not in North America. Now, when I say North America, I mean the U.S. and Canada. I'll exclude Mexico because Mexico is an emerging market as well as Central, South America, a very high growth in South and Central America. Yeah. And uh, in not only in traditional records management, but in the imaging. And uh, it's just amazing to me uh, when you think, you know, the paperless office was coming, uh, you know, it's coming for 30 years. Yeah. But uh, it's still, it's still not. Yeah, it's still it's still in in emerging, uh, air, you know, it's still emerging even in North America, as you say. Startups from five years ago uh, or more seem to be the acquisitions of today. Uh, what are you seeing in the acquisition space? Well, in the acquisition side of the business, there seems to be no shortage of people who want to go into the business. And they don't seem to be uh, short of capital. Um, uh, without naming names, I, I, I think you and I are both aware of uh, several that would, would come right off the top of your head that have money uh, from uh, usually private equity rather than venture capital. Although I do know of one company uh, that's growing extraordinarily fast that got their initial push from venture capital and then uh, went to private equity to get the money. And uh, they just are blasting uh, the marketplace apart because they've got so much money to do it. Right. And they're, they're all in it. Uh, the, you know, I don't see any slowdown of buying. As a matter of fact, when you talk to these people, they all have two or three deals on the board. Right. Uh, now, what... Also interests me is I, I was on the phone right before this phone call with a gentleman in uh, New York who works for one of the investment company, uh, one of the big uh, uh, financial companies, and he's doing a, a study on Iron Mountain and some others 
They wanted to know about, you know, quote, this space. And the problem is that there just aren't that many <laughs> businesses to buy. Right. That's, you the, know, that's if, the problem. If, yeah, there's, I, I don't know. I mean, nobody has a list. I, I have a list. Uh, you know, the software companies have a list. Prism has a list. But none of them are correct. But I've figured somewhere between 3,500 and 4,000 record centers in the world and that includes, I, I think you can draw the line at a 200,000-box facility. 75% of the record centers in the world are less than 200,000 boxes. Right, and many and even then, below 100. Yeah, and, uh, you know, so it's, it's, it's real scalable. The bigger they are, the fewer there are. Right. And the ones that are over 200,000 are the ones that everybody would like to buy right. because they own a market. But I tell you, you know, that uh, there are a lot of record centers between one and 200,000 boxes that are ripe, but, you know, who knows if they're going to be bought or not. But there's still a limited number. So you got, um, uh, you and I both got an email uh, the other day from a new uh, company that's in the marketplace that is a seller agent. Again, we won't mention the names, but, uh, you know, there are, I counted, four different seller groups that are out there to enable uh, a record center to get the most for his money from a, uh, from a buyer. And uh, I just don't know where they're going to get their customers from, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's, a tight, it, it's tight in terms of even, even as you look at the actual acquisition list from this last year, it's not astounding numbers. It's, it's you know, they're still buying, but it's not astounding. So, Let, let me say this, Tom, and this goes to a little bit to the sales side. I have to say I am still amazed here in the year 2010 that there are so many unvented accounts. Even in Southern California, and I can prove it, 70% of the businesses in Southern California where you live are unvented. Yeah, they're not the Fortune 1000 companies. They're not the major hospitals. Yeah, we know that. But they are 500 to 1,000 to 1,500 box accounts, which is the lifeblood of a record center. Right. And if you look at Southern California, there are less than 20 full-time salesmen on the street in from Santa Barbara to Mexico, from the ocean to Riverside and San Bernardino, which means that those 20 full-time salesmen couldn't get to that market in 500 years. <laughs> and so the typical model of a 200,000-box record center is the salesman is the owner, and right. the salesman's got other things on his mind. I mean, the owner's got other things on his mind. So he can't really sell 100% of the time. So he's got operational issues, he's got financial issues, he's got partner issues, he's got all of these things that are bothering him. But And then if he hires a salesman, he doesn't know how to manage the salesman. So, you know, it's like, it's really an oddity in our industry that there just aren't that many salesmen out there. The ones who have salesmen, and I have just signed a contract with a, one of these buying companies that is um, is has hunters, and they are selling accounts in all of the markets they're in, in the five to ten thousand box account. 
uh, uh, range. I mean, they they they'll they have plenty at the five hundred bucks, but there's no shortage of new accounts out there. Yeah, they're out there. They yeah. are out there, but God, I just hate to say certain things because I don't want to offend people. But what happens when you get to a couple hundred thousand boxes and you get good cash flow, and the owner's making a good living, and he doesn't have to do a whole lot. Yeah. yeah. They tend to just sit back and collect the money, whereas they could double their business size if they had one or two hunters and a farmer out there, and, and you know they could double their size in, in two or three years if they if they did it right. Yeah. It's a frustrating uh, uh, phenomenon, I guess. Well, Carrie, as always, you uh, you, you can uh, you can go when I let you go. You just go. So. <laughs> One final question, because we've already blown through 25 minutes here, and it's been great stuff, but um, will this industry become obsolete? How soon will we see this holographic vapor as the information delivery mechanism of choice? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for quoting uh, a blog I just uh, wrote. Uh, I think uh, the industry uh, will not become obsolete, nor will the records manager become obsolete. He will change in terms of his skills, tools, and resources. He will morph. The records manager will morph. And then the commercial record center will morph. The data, the media, the medium, we have gone from stone tablets to papyrus to printed pages off of Gutenberg's press to, um, you know, digital information since the early 50s to a point where there's just huge, enormous amounts of information of every single type. Uh, if you figure we went in, you know, from writing in the sand all the way through digital in 5,000 years, there's probably a next thing, a next media. Well, we don't know what it is. I mean, maybe someone does. That I, I keep hearing, hearing the word, holograms and, you know, yeah. uh, some sort of three-dimensional matrix where you store data. I have no idea. The point is, it's still storage, right? Yeah. And it's still records that need to be kept for regulatory compliance, litigation avoidance, and best business practices, and it's all about compliance. Yeah. So regardless of where it is or what it is, it's still going to have to be managed. And it ain't going to all be done electronically without human beings. It's always going to take people to manage the data. Yeah. Well, sir, uh, again, you are a, a wealth of information and knowledge, and I thank you for taking the time to share that with us. Uh, if you want to listen to or read more about Kerry, uh, his personal postings and his thoughts and stuff, uh, things he's learning about the industry are at kerrymcgovern.com. Uh, and if you want to know about the services Carrie provides, that's at fileman.com. Carrie, you are the best. Thanks for being with us. And I appreciate your knowledge and wisdom today. Anytime, Tom. You know, it's always my pleasure. All right. Cheers. Wow, what a full show today. I want to thank you for being here today. I think if if in, if you're anything like me, you've been uh, intrigued by what we've learned today. Special thanks to Larry Giuliano and also to Carrie McGovern for sharing their time and and the stuff that we've learned from them today. Next week, really uh, excited to uh, get ready for this interview. This uh, I'm, Next week, I'm going to be talking to Mike Ball from Data Store in Milwaukee. 
And uh, Mike is doing some really interesting things with the company there in terms of transitioning to uh, the, the whole digital side of the equation. And uh, Mike is not from the traditional uh, rim service business, the box on the shelf, the shredding side. He comes from the digital side. And what they're doing there in uh, at Data Store is really kind of cool. And I am looking forward to talking to him about what they're doing there. Uh, other than that, uh, we'll have more interesting things to tell you, some more interesting interviews to uh, to provide you next week. So please come back. And as always, if you have anything to share, anything you want to hear about, anything you want me to deal with on the show, I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for being here, and we'll catch you next week. Over and out. Thanks for joining us on the RIM Pro Report with Tom Adams. If you enjoyed the show, please tell others. Our website is www.rimproreport.com where you can find show archives and a whole lot more. This broadcast is produced and hosted by Flourish Press Incorporated. Join us again soon. <laughs>